0: Hi. Wow, it's kind of surreal to see everybody back again. Um, I've cried a lot this weekend, and I'm going to continue to do that. If you're new around here, that's normal for me. So um, it's incredible to be home. Um, We've been gone for about three months or so, and uh, just resting and doing some things as a family. And I can honestly say uh, we have missed being with our spiritual family. And it's awesome just to come back and see everybody again. And uh, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey over the next little while. I'm going to tell you some of the stuff that we were up to while we were gone. And, uh, and I'm going to do my best to try and keep some of that emotional stuff at least in a normal range because um, I've cried a lot of tears and I'm almost out of voice already and I've got two more services to go. So if you grab your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 for a little bit. Before we dive in, I want to say thanks to Todd and the team who preached while I was gone. Um, I did have an opportunity to listen to some of their messages. They did a great job, they did. You'd think that the prophet Elijah would just be flying high because he had such an amazing string of spiritual victories mountaintops. The Bible tells us that Elijah shows up and and some really cool stuff begins happening. I mean, he's appointed by God and and, uh, he ends up out in the wilderness and God feeds him by using birds, which is a miracle because I've never seen a bird share food in my life. And then he has an opportunity where there's a national famine, and God takes him and puts him with a family and, and gives him a little jar of oil that allows him to be able to survive as they make bread, with the, and the oil just keeps refilling over and over and over again. And then it culminates with this amazing conflict that happens on the top of Mount Carmel when Elijah takes on 450 prophets of Baal, and God shows up Texas barbecue style, and it's just an amazing victory. You'd think after that track record of faithfulness that the prophet Elijah would never question the faithfulness of God, that he'd never get tired, that he'd never wonder about his calling, that he would never ask any difficult questions, and yet in in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find him doing exactly that. Within 24 hours of what happened on the top of Mount Carmel, because of one person and one threat, he ends up running for his life. We pick up the story, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, and when he became to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he went a day's journey into the desert, came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Maybe you've prayed something like this before. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay under the tree and fell asleep. Have you ever been in a moment when you, no matter what has happened in your past, you still look at the moment that you're in as heartbreaking and you just say, God, I'm done. Done. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around and there was by his head a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. I love these words. The journey is too much for you. You can't do it on your own, prophet. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. I love that even though he's in an unbelievably difficult period, he's heading towards God and not away. I love the fact that God knows that we have limits and then when we feel like we can't take another step, God shows up. I love the fact that God shows up to the prophet and this is his answer. Eat a snack and take a nap. (laughs) Twice. This afternoon, in the name of Jesus, eat a snack and take a nap. It's biblical. (laughs) Then he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant, broke down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Sounds like desperation. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And there was a great and powerful wind, and the mountains tore apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant, broke down your altars, and put the prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. We'll unpack that next week. Two questions, same answer. Then the Lord said to him, Prophet, go back the way you came. We'll probably get to that in week four or week six or week 13. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> when I went on my sabbatical, the elders said, We really don't want you to come back with the Ten Commandments, just rest. So I tried to be obedient to that, which means I started working on some of this stuff on Monday when I came back. I read that story in the first week of my sabbatical. It's the story of a tired prophet. Today I'm not so much going to preach as tell you the story of a tired pastor. I read this story and I just, I entered into it with Elijah because when I left I was really tired. Last night people kept coming up saying, you look really good. My question is, did I look that bad when I left? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, you kind of seem refreshed. You seem alive. There's not as many lines you around your eyes. I mean, I'm like, okay. Thanks for giving me a little time just to reflect. I appreciate it. You have no idea how much I'm grateful. When I began my sabbatical, I pictured just kind of this blissful season of rest. I just wanted to sit on my back deck and drink sweet tea and read my Bible and love my wife. I wanted to wake up for 12 weekends in a row and gather my son and my daughter and say, what do you guys want to do today? Because I don't have an agenda. There's nothing driving me to have to go and preach somewhere. Just what do you want to do? You want to play? You want to go to church? You want to hang out? What do you want to do? I pictured it as just this, this time of blissful rest when I'd be able to just kind of just allow the, the compassion fatigue to just kind of roll off of my shoulders. That's how I pictured it, but that's not how it was, especially the month of May. I mean, if I could just be honest with you, May was awful. If it could go wrong, it did go wrong. If it could break down, it did break down all of a sudden, we're wrapped in the middle of emotional stress and financial stress and, and family stuff going on. I mean, and it's just, it's just attacking on every single level. My wife has Beatty's crystalline dystrophy. It's a degenerative eye disease. And for some reason, something just kind of kicked in during our first season of sabbatical. And Laurel was not losing sight, not every week or every month. She was losing it like every day. She'd wake up in the morning, and she would see less than she had the day before, and it was scary, and it was hard, and we were crying out to God as much as we could. I mean, the beautiful part of it was this. I got to serve my wife in the same way that she has served me for almost 25 years. I got to be her soft place to land. I got to be the one to say, I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to be okay. I got to love her, love on her, gentlemen. There is no higher honor than loving the bride that Jesus gave you. It was unbelievably hard, but I'll tell you the it wouldn't change a thing. And so in the middle of this storm, it was hard, but it was unbelievably good. In the midst of that, I'm struggling with the fact I had two goals for my sabbatical. I wanted to get some rest. I really, really did. And I wanted to hear God more than anything. I didn't want to hear about God anymore. I just wanted to hear God talk to me. I kept running into people. And, and as we would have spiritual conversations, even though I was on a break, we wouldn't talk church, we would talk spiritual stuff. And sometimes they would just say, you know what, I just don't feel like I ever hear God. I want to so desperately. Sometimes I think I do, but... I mean, I want that audible voice experience, that's what I'm looking for, and I think we all want that at some level. We just want God to talk to us, just give us some direction, encourage us, just say, take that job or don't take that job, do this or don't do this, and and, and date that person or don't date that person. We just want to hear Him, just give us some direction, but sadly, so many of us don't experience that, and the conclusion that we come to wrongly is that God's not talking at all. We got to the end of May, and a couple from our church gave me a gift. They gave me a couple of nights and a little bed and breakfast on Orcas Island. And I'd read the story of Elijah, and I thought, well, if the prophet heads for the wilderness to try and figure out what's going on, maybe I should too. So I went to the wilderness of the San Juan Islands. Oh, poor me, right? You know? And I go out to Orcas Island, and they said the bed and breakfast was like right by the ferry terminal. You could walk to it. So I walked on the ferry and I took my little bag. I took a little bag of stuff in my Bible, and that was it. And basically, what I told God was this I don't know why you're not talking to me right now. I'm struggling. I'm supposed to be resting. I'm supposed to be taking a nap. I need a nap and a snack. That's what I need really, really bad. But I'm going to go to Orcas Island, and I'm not going to eat. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to sit there until you talk to me. So I showed up. Nobody told me that when you get off the ferry at Orcas Island, that all of civilization is on the other side of the island. It's just this little spot, right? So I'm at this little B&B all by myself. And I'm there to hear God. I spend the whole first day. I read the book of Isaiah twice. I fasted. I labored. I sat in a chair overlooking this beautiful bay. And it's just like, I am not moving until you talk. Well, apparently, God sounds like a cricket, because that's what I heard. <laughs> cricket. Uh, (laughs) Kidding, sorry. (laughs) I couldn't even find him, so it's all right. I did everything I could to hear God, and I heard nothing. Nothing. Maybe you've been there. Just silence. I got mad. I got mad. I went for a walk. There was nowhere to walk to, but I went for a walk. And I walked up a hill... Off to the right, if you ever go there, you'll be able to go off to the right-hand side of the ferry terminal and overlooking this beautiful bay. And this is what came out of my mature biblical mouth. God, I don't get it. And I'm lonely. And I can't figure out why you don't answer my prayer. My wife's struggling. It feels like my kids are struggling. I don't know what to do. I feel like you've completely forgot my name. I said that. I feel like you've forgotten my name. I turned around and this is what was directly behind me. I took a picture of it. You know, I know I should have laughed, but that made me mad. I'm like, I'm out of here trying to hold on to my soul, and you're playing games, really? I went back to my room, crawled into bed, pulled the covers over my head, slept for a little while, and when I woke up, I watched Maury Povich on purpose to make a point. (laughs) I got up the next morning, I'm like, you know what, fine, if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. I found out there was a little bike rental place right up behind one of the stores. So I rented a bike, and I started heading to the other side of the island, because I'm like, I'm going to go find a movie theater or something. God's not talking. I'm not listening. So I drove, and it was hot. It's nine and a half miles from the ferry terminal to East Sound on the far side of the island. For some reason, I thought that islands were flat. I don't know why, but... Then I came around a corner, in front of me was this huge steep hill, and I started pedaling up that hill, and I'm in fairly good shape, but I dropped that bike down into, like, gear number one. Have you been on a mountain bike? Like, you're pedaling furiously and going, like, six inches at a time. That's me. I'm flat out. Sweat is pouring off of me, and I forgot to bring water, and it's hot. You can think you're crazy. You can think I'm crazy, if you want to. That's totally fine. I'll convince you of that some point in the next couple of weeks anyway, so... Let me explain to you the best way that I can put it into human words. God rides bicycles. And He fell in right beside me, and I'm like, I am not doing this. I asked you to show up. You didn't. I'm not having this conversation on your terms. ever done that? And I rode as hard as I could to get up that hill until I could not pedal another one more time. And I got off my bike, and in the deepest part of my soul, this is what God said, let it out, Just let it out. So get the picture, I'm on my knees in the gravel on the side of a road on Orcas Island, and I've got a hold of the crossbar of my bike, and I'm an emotional wreck, bawling my eyes out. And I said, I'm so mad at you. I just want my wife to see. I don't want her to struggle in the darkness anymore. I just want her to see the faces of our kids clearly. I did not expect what I heard next. God said, "Grant." I want the same for my bride, too. I want the bride of Christ to see, I want them to see the light of the world. Jesus, I want them to see the cross. I want them to see that I love them. I don't want them to struggle in the darkness anymore. I want them to see the light. I don't want them to hurt or be in pain anymore. I want them to see the faces of my children clearly. All of a sudden, God stepped from outside of my pain into the center of it, and I realized where he'd always been. Suddenly the very thing that I wanted more than anything we had in common. I was wrecked. Can I tell you why I came back? I came back because to not do what God has now asked me to do would be outright disobedience. So Christ the King, this is what we are going to do. We're going to walk into the darkness with the light of the world. And we're not going to back down or back up or back off until the light permeates every single dark corner in this county. I'll do it myself if I have to, but I'm inviting you to join in with Jesus on his mission to go to the places where everybody might be afraid to go. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the light of the world with us. We're going to shine it everywhere. We're not going to envelop people in religious jargon and slide furniture in front of them in the midst of dark rooms that they have no orientation for. Instead, we're just going to shine light everywhere. We're going to stand in front of pits and we're going to tell people, don't fall in this one. I've already been there. There's nothing there. The devil's going to lie to you and you're going to slip into that. He's going to promise you you're going to feel better at the bottom of the pit, but I promise you there's nothing down there but sin. We're going to work together to shine the light of Jesus. We're going to show the faces of God's kids as clearly as we possibly can. We've not even yet begun to do what God has called us to do. Let me ask you a theological question. Who is the light of the world according to scripture? Say it out loud. Half of you got it right and the other half of you got it right. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But in another verse, he said, you are the light of the world, which means we are the light taking his light as the standard of the cross, and we're going to plant it right dead center in the middle of the darkness and let it shine everywhere. Those are my marching orders. Are you with me? That's my question. So I'm on my knees holding a bike, having a conversation with someone that I can't see. And I'm interrupted by a group of seventh graders (laughs) who were on a field trip to Orcas Island, and they came over the hill off my left-hand side going down the hill. And I hear a kid say, Mr. Banner, do we have to go up, back up this same hill? Look at that guy. God has never spoken that directly to me before. In fact, honestly, the way God's spoken to me in the past has caused a lot of frustration. In fact, sometimes it felt like God was talking to everybody else about me. Maybe you've been there. The goal of August is not to get you to hear an audible voice. The goal is for all of us as the children of God to open up our hearts and to hear how God is speaking however He chooses to speak. Maybe we better start there with that conviction. It's in your outline. If I want to hear God's voice, I must begin with the conviction that God wants to speak and is his speaking. And Believe it or not, whether you've experienced it or not, the truth of the Bible is that God says that He wants to speak and He is speaking to His children. I'm going to give you a small list today. It's not an exhaustive list. In fact, it's just the beginning. and it's just going to try and whet our appetite. Scripture actually describes over 30 different ways that God communicates to His kids. Here's some of the most obvious. Scripture says God speaks through His audible voice. First 1 Kings 19.11, He's talking to the prophet. He's tired, and He says, go and stand out on the mountain. I mean, there's the audible voice of God. That's pretty clear. And can we just be honest? That's the one we want, isn't it? We want to hear this disembodied voice that sounds like James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman. (laughs) And we just want him to say it, just like, take this job, date that person, don't do this, here's the plan. Wouldn't you love to hear God just, here's the plan. Honestly, I've rarely if ever heard God that way. I can't tell you, I heard an audible voice on Orcas Island. In fact, I'll tell you how I knew it was God. I knew it was God because the second he started talking, this enemy of my soul, Satan himself, started talking exactly at the same time saying, that's not God, you're nuts. You're crazy. You're hearing voices. Are you serious? Really? But I just figured this, if the opposition was that thick trying to push me in the opposite direction, maybe I was going exactly the way that I was supposed to be going. Some of us don't see opposition that way, right? We get opposition in our life, and we think, i got to go the opposite way. Sometimes you're encountering opposition because the devil doesn't want you to go where you're heading. But that's what we want, right? My question is this. Are you so focused on hearing the audible voice of God that you've disregarded all of the other creative ways that God wants to talk to you? Let me list off a few of the other ways that God speaks. The Bible says that God speaks through His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to hear God, here it is. How hypocritical is, is it of us, as pe- God's people, to say, I don't feel like God ever talks to me when we never ever open up the primary voice through which He tries to speak to us every single day. Doesn't that seem inconsistent to you? It's Inconsistent to me. I, and I'm guilty of it. God speaks through His Word. Here it is, page after page after page of God pleading with His kids, I love you, I've got a plan, you've got to trust me. The Bible says that God speaks through His Son. I love the fact that while I was gone, Derek and Brian and Todd focused on messages that all came out of the red letter section of your Bible. That's Jesus speaking. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Do you see the creativity there? All different kinds of times and all different kinds of ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. When Jesus speaks, that's God speaking. When we read the Gospels and we see what Jesus taught, that's God speaking. And it's my conviction, it's more relevant today than it's ever been Before. God' so creative in his communication. He may do it different. He may speak to Julie and Bob in a very different way than he speaks to Grant. He may speak differently to Dale and Diana. God is unbelievably creative. My question is, are we so focused on hearing it one way that we've disregarded all of the other ways God may be trying to get our attention? Scripture says He speaks through his spirit. This is a verse from John, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. We welcome the Holy Spirit into the room every single week because we want Him to speak to us. He speaks in conviction. He speaks in encouragement. He speaks in help. He speaks in hope. The Holy Spirit is continuously speaking. The question for us is are we actually listening? The Bible says that God speaks through His creation. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without excuse. Do you know that the past 40-some days of 75 degree plus weather is a gift and testimony to just how much God loves his children in Whatcom County. Do you understand that sometimes we diminish that stuff, but the reality is this, I woke up the other morning to the sound of rain, rain, and I could hear, it was as if God was chuckling in heaven saying, oh, my people in Whatcom County, I see your brown lawns, And now as the God of the universe, I'm going to give them a drink. We're not the only one that gets to have a snack and take a nap, right? Here it is for your lawn. And it's out of goodness. It's out of graciousness that we even stop to pause and think that that was God's gift, that it was a picture of this beautiful grace of God that just rains down on our life when we have no deserving thing inside of us. It's just a beautiful, wonderful, good gift. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Do we actually have a moment when we hear God in the smallest of things? While I was on my break, I was challenged to slow my life down so much that I could savor every single moment. I'd get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee. And I would hear the whisper of God as He said, Do you understand what it took to create this beautiful moment of enjoyment. On the other side of the world, in a completely different place, I grew up a plant that put off a bean. And then I brought a person to pick the bean And then they took it and they dried it and they roasted it and they shipped it all the way to Whatcom County and they put it in a little brown paper bag and you got to go to a store and purchase it from somebody that put it in your hands and now you've put it in your coffee maker, combining it with water that God made and all of that was done so that you could take a sip and say, oh, that's good. Oh, that's God. Sometimes God speaks through His people. James three seventeen. The wisdom that comes from heavens, first of all, pure than peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I believe that God speaks through people. If I didn't, I'm wasting my time, and so are you. And if God can use a broke, broken, cracked vessel like this that leaks a lot? Could it be that through that conduit, God could actually whisper something? We have to be careful with that one because there are a lot of people who will come to you and say, God told me to tell you something. I got a question. Why does it always seem to be bad, right? God told me to tell you, you're just not doing this right. God told me to tell you there's judgment coming on you and your family. Really? Why doesn't somebody ever show up and say, God told me to tell you, you're awesome? (laughs) Is there a place for a word of correction, a word of warning? You bet there is. But every word that comes from God through a person is supposed to exhibit these elements that... James laid out. It's to be peace-loving, considerate, submissive. You know what that means? I love when the people of Christ the King get a word from the Lord and they bring it like this. Submissive is when someone says, I believe the Lord told me to bring this to the body I'm just going to submit it to you, and I'm going to ask you to pray over it. And if it is, awesome. And if it turns out to be the burrito that I had last night at 1130, please forgive me. (laughs) Submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial. And I love that last word. It's always to be sincere. Not contrived, sincere. God, speak to us through prayer, Romans 8. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we have to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes through, for us through wordless, wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Sometimes God will speak to us when we're in a posture of prayer. You see, prayer is to be a conversation, which means we're supposed to spend some time talking and some time listening. The Bible says sometimes He'll speak through worship. If you need an example of how worship can direct an entire nation, please go home and read 2 Chronicles 20. You'll love the story. That's why we worship at the beginning and the end of all of our services. It's because we want God to speak to us while we're speaking to Him. And finally, God speaks through life. Sometimes God's teaching us in the midst of the decisions that we make and the moves that we make. All the while pleading, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. He'll make your path straight. I love Proverbs sixteen nine: In their, their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In the coming weeks, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time with Elijah because Elijah, through his lifetime, hears God in various ways ways and at various times, and it's a beautiful thing. We're going to find out that that God speaks in other ways. In fact, he just put a little list in there. We're going to learn how God speaks through dreams and visions and pain and intellect and memories and prophecy. God's just very creative. I'd like to give you a thought as I get ready to close here. Um, That's kind of changed my world in the past 90 days. I often want to hear God until He speaks. The reason is I think many of us have the same kind of twisted view of God, and so we want to hear Him, but we think we already know what we're going to hear. We think He's going to say, here's your to-do list for the day, get about it and you better do a good job. We think He's going to say, yesterday did not make it by my standard. You need to pick up your game. We think we're going to hear, in order to follow Jesus, you're going to have to go to the other side of the world in a dung hut with a satellite on top of it and spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how to preach about Jesus while there's a yak in your front yard. We just assume that everything that God is going to say is somehow going to mess up our world. I began a discipline during my sabbatical, where I would wake up in the morning and the first words out of my mouth, were good morning, Papa. I will tell you what I heard this morning when I said that. He didn't say, you better do a good job this morning. He didn't say, you better get your emotions under control, Grant, because you cry too much. He said, good morning, son, it's going to be a good day. It's not to get you to hear an audible voice. For you to open your heart and say, I'm listening. I'll close with this. Have you ever heard a love song that sets your spirit free? Have you ever watched a sunrise and felt you couldn't breathe? What if it's Him? What if it's God speaking? Have you ever cried a teardrop that you couldn't explain? Have you ever met a stranger who already knew your name? What if it's him? What if it's God speaking? Who knows how he'll get a hold of us, get our attention to prove he's enough. He'll do and he'll use whatever he wants to. To tell us, I love you. Have you ever lost a loved one that you thought should still be here? Do You know what it feels like to be tangled up in fear. What if he's somehow involved? What if he's still speaking through it all? Who knows how he'll get a hold of us, get our attention to prove he's enough. He'll do and he'll use whatever he wants to. To tell us, I love you. His ways are higher, his ways are better, and though sometimes strange. What could be stranger than God in a manger? What if it's Him? What if it's God speaking? If you need a verse to start your day and end your day for the next number of weeks, would you take John 10 with you? My sheep listen to my voice. I know of them and they follow. It would seem crazy to me to spend 30-plus minutes talking about hearing the voice of God and then not at least give us an opportunity to do that. So I'm going to get Mike and the band to come on back out here, and uh, we're going to sing a song that I believe would reflect the heart of Elijah in the wilderness, the heart of Grant on Orcas Island. The heart of every person that I had a conversation with that was honest enough to say, I really want to hear God, I just don't ever feel like He talks to me. And maybe it will reflect the state of your heart this morning too. While we're singing, we're going to corporately sing together. We'll do another song at the end with which we will continue in worship by giving God our tithes and our offerings. But while we sing this song Can I encourage you to stop giving a rip about what anybody else thinks in the room for the next couple of minutes? Can I encourage you to just say, okay, God, here's all of me. I'm just going to try and listen. Today, I'm just going to be one big ear. Can I encourage you to take whatever posture of worship that God tells you to take? If you feel like you need to kneel, hit the floor. Finding yourself in the gravel on the side of a road can be a pretty powerful place to be. If you need to lie prostrate in the aisle, be my guest. If you want to stand and lift your hands to God and say, I'm listening, be my guest. If you want to sit like a stick, go for it. Let's just allow God to speak right now. And if you don't hear anything but the song, it's still a good place to start. So we're going to worship together going to give back to God our tithes and our offerings. So the off- uh, ushers, you're going to hold off for this one. And Mike, Jessica are going to lead us. Let's just open our hearts and see what he's got to say. It's really good to be home. <laughs> Glad to see you. And, uh. Don't hear God? Have a snack.